next day, there was a surprise summer shower. The land smelled beautiful. The thirsty earth had soaked in every drop of rainwater. The children had been very busy shifting the puppies and kittens who were roaming in the back and front yards into the house so, they, so that they did not get drenched in the rain. Their respective mothers were very busy shifting the puppadums left to dry on the terrace. Summer is the season when under Ajay's leadership pickles and puppadums were made. Meenu started a calculation. Everyone needs at least five puppadums per day for the next one month. 600 puppadums will be needed. Tomorrow, our neighbor Vishnu Kaka's three grandchildren are coming. They will also eat with us these tasty puppadums. They may have to keep five per head. That means Aji has to prepare 600 plus 50 puppadums. When Aji listened to Minu's mathematics, she laughed and said, Don't calculate that way. It may be true today that we will all eat five puppadums a day. But this may not be true for every day. After eating puppadums for three days, one may get bored. There is a wedding in my brother's house and we all might go there. So we may not eat any puppadum those days. The way you are calculating reminds me of the man who calculated the number of horses once in England. All the children immediately gathered around her. Oh, Aji, you must tell us the story of how the horses were counted. So Aji had to stop what she was doing right there and tell them the story. Many, many years ago in England, there lived a great thinker and scholar called George Smith. He thought a lot about how it would be in the future and advised the Prime Minister about many things. He researched how many people would live in the country in 20 years' time. He calculated how many schools, hospitals and roads needed to be built or how much food needed to be grown or bought from other places to feed all these places and people. His calculations helped the government immensely in planning for the future. George often needed to visit the Prime Minister's office to talk to him about some new project and advise him. One day, the Prime Minister had invited him for a meeting, so he hopped into his horse carriage and set off for the office. Now, George was always deep in thought and rarely noticed what was happening around him. Today, too, he was sitting in his carriage thinking about farms and ships and houses. But suddenly, his carriage stopped with a jolt and he was shaken out of his thoughts. There was some commotion on the road and all carriages had stopped around him. Normally, George would have just sunk back into his thoughts again. But today, something stopped him. A horrible, strong smell. A smell that hung in the air and made you cover your nose with a hanky if you were not a scholar wrapped up in your own world. 
Today, somehow, George was not able to disconnect himself from what was going on around him. The smell kept wafting into his nose and taking his mind away from the problem he was tackling. He called out to his coachman. Hi, John. What is this extraordinary smell? John, the coachman, was used to his master's absent-minded ways. And he replied briefly, Horse dung. Horse dung? Now that was something George had never given a thought to. Somehow, he could now think of nothing else. Soon, his carriage pulled up in front of the Prime Minister's office. But George kept sitting inside, lost in thought. Finally, John tapped on the window to tell his master that they had reached their destination. George walked to the visitor's room, still thinking. He was sitting there, reflecting on horses and their dung when the Prime Minister's secretary came to meet him. Now, Adam, the secretary, was not as learned as George, but he was very sharp and intelligent. He greeted George and said to him apologetically, The PM had to make time for another important meeting and will be late in seeing you. I hope you don't mind waiting. George kept staring out of the window watching yet more horse-drawn carriages rushing up and down the road. Thinking he had perhaps not heard him, Adam cleared his throat and repeated loudly, Mr. Smith, the PM. Yes, I heard you, Adam, George mumbled. Worried that this great thinker of the country was in some trouble, Adam asked gingerly, Is something bothering you? Perhaps I could help? George looked at him excitedly. You know, I just looked into the future and realized we will all die in about a hundred years. Our country will be destroyed, our way of life gone forever. And do you know why? All because of horses and their dung. Adam stared at George, puzzled. Surely he could not be serious. George continued. See, now we use horses as the principal mode of transport in the country. They are used to draw carriages in the king's stables, even in the farms. Adam nodded. This was true. So how many horses are there now? Let's assume that there are 500 rich families who can afford to own a horse carriage. If each family has at least two children and all of them are rich enough to own carriages, that will mean a minimum of two more carriages in a few years. Each carriage would require two horses, so each family would be using four horses at the least. So then there will be 2,000 horses. If you add our king's cavalry and the number of horses in the farms, the number increases substantially. Adam nodded. Yes, this sounded true enough, but what was George's point? How do we get rid of the dung? They generate now. Adam answered patiently. We dig pits and empty the dug into them. George nodded. Now that's my point. Imagine the scene a hundred years from now. Two thousand horses would have increased to 
400,000 given the way the population is increasing. This will mean more dung. And what will we do with all this dung? Humans will need more space in houses to, and farming to sustain themselves. Where will we find open land to dig up and bury the dung? It will lie unattended everywhere and cause horrible diseases. If they make their way into the water sources, it will be even worse. We will end up poisoning ourselves and the environment. We will become sick and our country will become poor just by tending to so many sick people. And finally, our way of life will just die out as we all will all because of horses. Adam sat and thought about this for some time. George's thoughts and the grim picture he had painted of the future was scary indeed. But here Adam's practical thinking kicked in. What if things did not work exactly the way George was seeing it? He turned to his friend and said, Mr. Smith, you are not taking into account one very important bit into your calculations. The ability humans have to innovate and adapt. Many years ago, there were no carts or carriages, so we went everywhere by foot. Then, once we started domesticating animals, we realized we could use them for transport too. But do you think humans will rest with this achievement? Who knows, in a hundred years, what other modes of transport we would have invented so that we may not require horse for transport at all. Perhaps we will even be able to fly like birds. George never solved this problem in his lifetime. Neither did Adam live to see how true his thoughts about the future had been. Man went on to invent so many new ways to move away from one place to another place that horses are no longer used in the numbers they once were. James Watt invented the steam engine which led to the invention of railways. Then cars were invented by Carl F. Benz and became widely used in cities for transport. Finally, the Wright brothers showed that humans could fly in airplanes. With all these great inventions, the horse and other animals drawn carts and carriages are now a thing of the past. Truly, if man did not innovate and experiment, our species would have died out, just like George had predicted. Everyone was happy with the story. They all teased Minu. You are the George Smith of our house. Who knows one day nobody will eat papadums and Amma may not prepare that many papadums. We may even buy directly from the shops if it is a small number. Minu felt very embarrassed. She, did her, she hid her face with a pillow. Aji said, don't make fun of her. Foresight is very important. If you don't have foresight, then you will land up in trouble like Ramu. Who is Ramu? The children immediately asked Ajit. I will tell the story of Ramu only tomorrow. And Ajit bustled off. The children knew she could tell only one story a day, so they eagerly waited for the next day and to hear Ramu's story. Good night.